0: You're listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast in Kingsport, Tennessee. We are a community committed to prayer, radical hospitality, and intentional invitation. Our Old Testament lesson is from Micah, and it's the 6th chapter, verses 1 through 8. Hear God's words for you. Hear what the Lord says Rise, plead your case before the mountains, let the hills hear your voice, hear you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and your enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what way have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, I redeemed you from the house of slavery, I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now the king of Balak of Moab and what he devised, and Balaam son of Beor, and how he answered him, and what happened from Shittim and Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord." With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, And to walk humbly with your God. This is the Word of the Lord. I think it's been a tough few years when we think about justice and justice issues in the United States. There's a phrase that has been coined of late. I've been hearing it over the past five or six years. It talks about the militarization of our police force. And, of course, that happened post 9-11 when we were extremely worried about trying to protect our nation. And I'm sure that it has made a difference. But at the same time, it has not stopped the lone wolf crazies who shoot up schools or churches or nightclubs, or who ambush good police officers who are just trying to do their job the best they know how. The rise of technology, our cell phones that take videos and pictures, the recording equipment in police cars and on their body armor, The CTV cameras that surveil our streets give us the ability to always stay connected. We can see pictures of stuff we never thought about before. And part of that is positive and good, right? But there's a negative element to that too. It's hard now to sometimes discern what is real news from the fake news. How do we know the difference? Whatever we may think as individuals, surely we can all agree that our nation needs to find a way to clean up that handful of rogue police officers who have shot people, but at the same time stand firmly in support of law enforcement. Two Mondays ago, a handful of folks from this church walked in the Martin Luther King Day Parade And one of the things that I hope you will be pleased with, I certainly was, when I heard black civic leaders in our community talk about how much they trusted our police department and how well they functioned together. And I'm pleased with that because we know there are places where it's not that way. And we can all name those places at the drop of a hat. Now, my guess is when you heard or when you read perhaps, and maybe it's up on the screen, I can't really, there it is. When you saw that the title of this sermon is God of Justice, my suspicion is when you thought justice, you thought about the things I just said. Law and order, crime and punishment. That's what we middle class, law-abiding people usually think. We understand about keeping the rules, the laws, and for the most part, we do. I would love somebody to keep the law on those people who insist on tailgating me on Fall Creek Road or who pass me on a double yellow line, but apparently they're never around to stop that. And so we endure. You will file your income taxes. Before or on April the 15th, because we know what happens if we don't. We are a law-abiding people. There's a law that says don't steal from your neighbor, and so we don't steal. It's not only the law of the state, it's the law of God. Now, I started this sermon with a monologue about justice the way we usually think about justice. But i got to say, I misled you. Because this is not the way the God of the Bible talks about justice. It's not that God's not interested in law and order. God is interested in law and order. You've got the Ten Commandments, for example. You have the laws of the patriarchs. God is interested in having His people live at a higher ethical standard. But that's not the justice that Micah is going to talk about today. I fear too often we Christians want to divide the Old and the New Testament, the Old Testament being that judgmental God and the New Testament being the loving God, and that's very classic, but it's also very foolish and simplistic, and it simply doesn't work when we look at the totality of Scripture. We have come to understand as Christians that God is the one who accepts us and loves us. We say we believe that God is benevolent and God gets described as being compassionate, welcoming, forgiving, accepting, merciful, inclusive, and all of that is absolutely true. I could never say that often enough. But what we often forget is this loving, kind God is also a just God. And that means the way the Bible talks about justice. The truth is, we're pretty comfortable in our lives. And we're not too inclined to want to hear about the righteous justice of God. The whole idea of judgment sounds a little foreboding to us. If we use the word judgmental at all in our lives, we use it as a negative, the judgmental person. It's a characteristic we say we don't want. We also say, of course, that we want people to be able to do anything they want to do. But you know that's not true. We all want that within our understanding of limits. I read a piece recently that was shocking, but I think it's also true. It's a New Testament scholar who says, The New Testament tells us almost nothing about what went on in the mind of Jesus. That got my attention. And then I realized, in many ways, it's true. The New Testament tells us a great deal about what Jesus did. It tells us about what he said and taught. But it never really says, when Jesus did this, he was thinking. And so this scholar goes on and says, if you really want to know what was in the mind of Jesus, go back and read the Old Testament. The Hebrew scripture. We tend to forget that's the only Bible Jesus knew. It's the only Bible the first Christians ever knew. There are many things we may not know about Jesus. But there's a whole lot we can be certain of too. And that is that his whole being is shaped by being a Jewish young man who had connections with the Torah and the Psalms and the prophets and all the other scriptures of Israel. And in those Hebrew scriptures there are a few ideas that predominate and of those themes there is the ones we see outlined in Micah today the justice of God, the loving kindness of God, the ability to walk humbly with God. Those words of Michael would never have surprised Jesus. In many ways, Jesus built his entire ministry on those words. The problem then is now is they're easy to say. They're very, very hard to live up to. So what does justice look like? The prophets reminds us that whenever justice is administered, God himself is present. The Hebrew word is mishpat, and it means judgment. It means God's wisdom, it means God's law, it means God's justice. There are nine words, nine categories, if you will, Of people who are associated with God's search for justice in the Bible. And they're not the words that you would think of. They're not about crime and punishment. The words are widows, the fatherless, orphans, the poor, the stranger, the needy, the weak, the oppressed. In that list of words, you won't find rich or middle class one single time. And it is because the writers, Micah included, understood that the wealthy are perfectly capable about finding justice for themselves. But these other folk can't. This passage from Micah has been long considered one of the most important in the Bible. I remember being in seminary a very long time ago, and if there was one passage you memorized from Micah, this was the one. Maybe you did the same thing in, in, uh, in Sunday school. I don't know. It becomes a summary of God's law. And if you pair it with Jesus' words that we love the Lord our God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourselves, you get the core of Jesus' message. In terms of the prophets of old, this passage is as good a summary as we're going to find for all these different classifications of people. What does the Lord require of you? Justice, mercy, and an humble walk with God. Now I confess, this is the stuff we don't always know how to do. We don't even always know how to choose to apply. I can't even remember who it was. It's been several years ago now, but it was a member of this congregation, so you don't need to wave at me if you're the one who told me this. That's okay. But it was a member of this congregation, and we had heard um, through our day school that we had a child who was terribly ill, and they wanted prayers for the child. So we did that. You know, office praise they send it out on the prayer chain, you get the message, you pray. We also discovered that the family was in pretty dire straits in terms of where they were financially, and that a food voucher could be useful. So we issued a food voucher. We do that sometimes. The member of our church ended up knowing the grandmother. And so the grandmother says when she hears about the food voucher, but they're not members of your church. And our member responds, well, it didn't matter. We often help people in distress. And again, the woman says, you mean you take care of needy people who aren't members of your church? And our church member said, yeah, we do that. And the grandmother said again, but they're not members. And she said, no, it didn't matter. We do this because we believe This is part of who we are as Christians. We're showing the love of Jesus. And the grandmother said, well, we need to come and find a church that believes like that. Now, to my knowledge, they never darkened the door of the church, but that's another story. (laughs) Doing justice. Doing justice is making sure that the lowly and those without power get a fair deal. We don't think we have the power to change things, but of course we do. Anytime our actions, whether they are our direct actions or the actions of people on our behalf, are reaching out to give justice to those who are powerless, we are fulfilling God's will. But don't pat yourself too firmly on the back. Because remember, the corollary is true as well. When we fail to do justice, either directly or through those who act on our behalf, we are disobeying one of God's central precepts. Acting for justice often means acting against our own self-interest to benefit the other. So if justice is not about law and order, but taking care of the weakest and the most vulnerable, what is loving kindness? Most translations say to love kindness, but that's really not enough. It is the Hebrew word that I've used with you many times called hesed. And it is the way God loves his people. When Jesus reminds us of the Old Testament demand to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves it's the same word as hesed. It's loving neighbors as we love ourselves, even when it is hard. It ties to the agape of the New Testament in Greek. And it's harder than we can ever imagine because the truth is, we don't always know what is best for another. But it means we will the best for the other. Came across a story long ago but it appealed to me, reminded me of a professor in seminary. This was a group of theological students at Harvard Divinity School and they were in the midst of a class, really getting ready to write their final uh, exam, and it was on the um, Immanuel Kant's um, moral imperative. They had two hours. So they come into the class, they write for about 50 minutes, the professor calls a break, they go out of the room, they're able to go get a drink of water, they can go to the bathroom, they can do whatever they need to do. They leave and there is a fellow student sitting against the wall, disheveled, obviously in distress, and nobody says a word. They come back in, they finish writing their papers, and every one of them failed. Why? Because the moral imperative was their fellow students sitting in the hallway. I had a professor in seminary who behaved like that. You talk about tough exams. (laughs) Jesus tells us the story of the Good Samaritan. It's the Hesed that Micah is talking about. Justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with God. What does it mean to walk humbly with God? Well, I think, first of all, it means we're moving. It's really hard to walk when we're standing still. And I think this word is intended to talk about a slow, deliberate, intentional movement toward what God wishes from us. So what does it mean to be humble? To not be full of yourself? To not be preoccupied with yourself? To not assume to know more than God knows? to not sit in judgment on what only God can sit in judgment of. Jesus says that the greatest person in the kingdom of God is the person who behaves humbly like a little child. The Apostle Paul, who ends up writing more than half of our New Testament, says of Jesus himself, He who did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, becoming obedient." unto death. Humility is sacrificing yourself and your desires for the needs of others and the desires of God. Humility is part of the art of listening to the other, where you get to forget yourself in the moment. To walk humbly with God is to sacrifice your busy, self centered focus and put it on someone else. I think the passage from Micah today is important for a new international mission project we're starting. A partnership with fellow Christians in one of the most troubled places on earth. I believe that God is calling us because we Christians working together for justice, for mercy, with an ability to humbly walk with God, is the only hope I see. We Americans love power. Might makes right, we too often say or act. But the truth is, we've done very little in the past 17 years, maybe 25 years, maybe 50 years, except to make large parts of the world hate us. Maybe it's time... Maybe it's time we started being Jesus' people. Maybe it's time we started acting like Christians. I can't predict what God is going to do. I can't predict what God's going to do in five minutes, let alone what's going to happen with this new mission emphasis. But I believe God has something important in mind for us. And I want to be a part of it. But the big question is, are we going to listen? Will we listen to Micah? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? To do justice. To love kindness. To walk humbly with you, God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our faith community, visit us online at chpres.org.